Welcome to Emran's podcast. Today we have a interview podcast. I hope you will enjoy it. Visit emrans.com to get latest discount codes for Seven Bridges Marathon and other races. Also don't forget to follow Marathon Runs anywhere you find including Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Thanks for listening to Emran's podcast. Please do visit emrans.com. Enjoy the podcast. I would like to welcome Tom Say to Emran's podcast. Uh, he's all the way from Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, how's the weather at Greensville, South Carolina? Uh, it's been horrible. It's been about 98 degrees, but today it rained all day and probably would have been the best time in the world to run because it was a nice 80 degree and drizzle. So, it would have been perfect to be here. Definitely. Yeah. This is a uh, hot weather, but I'm looking forward for uh, for our fall weather so but for me it's uh, I usually by August 1st I turn my clock to fall and I must the people laugh at me mentally I'm already starting fall so <laughs> it's definitely town it's great to have you here uh, you have a lot of great background um servicemen and uh, writing books and so many different things including being ultra runner and a distance adventure runner so i want to, we want to hear all kind of stories anything you can bring it to us uh, here to me and my audience here um that'll be great uh, and uh, you are new to our podcast you usually like to start uh, and tell us how did you end up from being a seal team to to being an ultra marathon runner well you know i think the seals was the greatest segue into doing a silly nonsensical long distance painful events and And in 96, when I became a SEAL, uh, that was my first kind of jump into the how far can you push yourself mentality and what happens physically. And then as a, and then through my 23 years in the SEAL teams, I, I had gotten into adventure racing, which is the multi-sport, multi-day uh, start line and a finish line and whoever can endure the most wins. And I, I really got heavily into that as a SEAL. Because I think it made me a better operator or a better SEAL or a better athlete by doing as much the ultra extreme distance that I could. And then I actually I, I jumped over into uh, long distance swimming and swam the English Channel. And then I retired. And uh, upon retirement, uh, my doctor said that your running days are over because I have some back fractures and some things that happened in combat that he said, hey, don't run anymore. So like all great ultramarathon runners, I immediately signed up for an ultra. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, man, this is going to – because I didn't the, – the marathon distance is uh, quite different than the ultra distance in that uh, I thought marathons were painful because that's as far as I had run. And I think I'd gotten to a 320 marathon and – uh I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do an, a double marathon. Hmm. But uh, I signed up going, you know, I'm just going to complete it. And then what endeared me to the the ultra marathon community is everybody was weirder than I was. And I'm like, man, I'm going to fit in here. This is going to be fun. So my first jump into the ultra community was uh, what had what had significantly changed for me was that everybody loved the the suffering of it. And uh, that's what I enjoyed in my life. And I hate to say it out loud, but as an old man now at 53, I really enjoy the times when you are as low as you can possibly go. 
And uh, that always happens in an ultra, or at least it does for me. I don't know if it does for you, but it definitely, I hit as low as I can hit in an ultra. And then two steps later, it's uh, elation and uh, three steps more, I'm crying. And then four steps more is fun. And, and uh, so I got into it merely because I wanted to keep doing crazy things. Definitely. For me, it's um, lately, it's, I don't even have to go ultra with the summer heat and all the trails I'm running this summer. It's, <laughs> it's It can happen in 15-mile runs. So, but, oh, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Definitely summer heat uh, takes that away. But but definitely in being an ultra runner, one of the things usually hard of ultra runner, uh, I was explaining to a friend of mine as we were running through Pinhody Trail, and he said, what is the heart of ultra runners? When you think you're done and you're, you're, you want to stop, you just keep going. That's, yeah. I, I assume, and I'm, I'm pretty much sure that SEAL team has built you to be like that. Let's talk about that a little bit. How, mm-hmm. how, how does that discipline, because I think you are the first guest here from the SEAL team. Um, I didn't say have ever talked to anybody in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Tell us how that prepared you to be who you are now as ultra runner. Well, SEAL SEAL training actually is designed to break you and then see what you do after you can't do it anymore. And that's the, the literally the design of the training that a guy named Draper Kaufman in World War II wrote the training and wrote into the, the how you train SEALs is we want to break them down so that they don't have anything left. Hmm. Like they don't have a soul left. They don't have the ability to move and they're on the verge of, near death. And then let's teach them after we find out who isn't willing to quit. So that, that not quit mentality is kind of trained into you and born into you in the seal training. And, uh, it's not fun to, to go through, but when you get through the other side of it, it prepares you for definitely prepares you for ultra because, uh, I've even the top runners hit, hit a bottom that is excruciating and uh, so I, I, I think that was the only type of event that I could – it didn't matter if I was one or, or last. Uh, it was all the same top and bottom feeling. And uh, I knew that my competitive days of youth were over. I just wanted to have really hard experiences where I could continue to grow. And that, that's what SEAL training provided you is if, you're, if you are willing not to quit, there's an extraordinary thing that happens uh, in, in humans that go through that. And I thought the ultra community was the only one, actually I know it to be true now, is the only one that allows that conversation to continue. Definitely. I mean, there's something happens in marathon, but, you know, I don't want to short sell marathon because I'm a marathoner myself. But whatever you described just now sounded like a running 100 mile. I can, I'm just imagining myself every time I run 100 mile, that just breaks you. And people ask me, why you keep doing it? Uh, why you keep going back and running 100 mile? And you answered that question perfectly. Because it's it just, it's just it is. It's you wanted to keep breaking and see how far you can go. Do you ever try to, to do a perfect ultra hmm. where you're like, man, I hope this goes well? <laughs> <laughs> I never – I go into them now going, I'm not even hoping anymore. It's not going to go well. Yeah. And I, I, I hope I make it to at least 20 without the wheels falling off. But – uh. <laughs> It could happen in the first five miles. You never know. Yeah. A lot of times people see me at the beginning jumping around, singing, dancing, you know, passing them. And it's like you should tell them, 
eventually I'm going to die. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. When I die, I die. I won't be talking to you. But for now, just enjoy my company. So even in a short distance, you know, nowadays, you know, I was like, okay, I'm ready to die wherever. But but I know that I have to get up and go. But there's there. I don't think so. there is any anybody ever. If I even listen to some of the fast runners, they always talk about highs and lows and not oh, having yeah. perfect races, you know, so. I went and got some coaching from uh, some top runners. Gosh, it was maybe maybe eight years ago. And uh spent several weeks getting coached because I, I mean, if I'm going to do something, I might as well learn from the people that are doing it really well. At least in my mind, I thought these guys are in the top five. They must be doing it well. And one of the girls I was training with laughed. She goes, no, we're just faster at falling apart. <laughs> As we're falling apart, we can actually move at four miles an hour <laughs> while everybody else moves at one. And uh, then uh, I, I got to meet some of the really fast runners that run like seven, you know, 40 miles for 100 miles. And I'm like, I, I don't understand that. Like my brain still can't unravel the speed at some of which some of these people can run. And uh, but their mind happens. What happens to us in the ultra happens to them too. They can just go fast while it's happening, which is exquisite. It's a, it's a, I think it's the only unique community in the world where the top people and the bottom people all have the same experience minus the speed. Yeah, definitely. So usually for me as a line is get there. I mean, I don't know where, yeah. but just get there. Yep. So definitely um, talk about um, your, um, your adventure racing. Let's mm-hmm. kind of switch there. Uh, you talk about crossing the English Channel. Uh, uh, tell us about that experience. You know, I've never met anybody who has crossed the English Channel. Tell us about what it's like. How many years ago did you do that? Oh, man, that was uh, in, shoot, that was in 98. Hmm. I think 98, 98 or 99. So, you know, and, and you know, since you're a runner and everybody's listening to this is either has points in time in life where they're really in really great shape. And so to tackle the English channel, I was in great swimming shape and I'm like, wow, this is going to be great. My form is good. Uh, you know, I'm unbreakable. I haven't been injured in three years and you know, all that stuff that you hype up mm-hmm. and then you show up to the event. So the problem with swimming, uh, is that the water really dictates how you feel. And it's never in like it's never the calm of a uh, pool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, it was cold, and you have to put some um, some oil on your skin to prevent the your heat from dissipating in cold water. And uh, so the swimming was nominal. It was is it, it was it was an easy swim, but it was nauseating, uh, being tossed around and. The, the waves sometimes would kind of flip you sideways. Just the unexpected, like an ultra is the unexpected nausea that comes. Mm-hmm. Like if you, oh, puking on land is is fun, but puking in the water is a whole different fun reality. And and the other guy that was swimming uh, had we started out together, and then he he tracked a different track than I did. And every once in a while, I could see him a couple miles away with a different follow boat. And, uh, I was like, man, this is so nauseating. I just think I'm going to get in the boat. I, I didn't think I was going to be puking every hour. 
Uh, I was like, wow, it's just like I hadn't done an ultra, so I didn't realize that's the same same experience. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but you know, the, it's uh, it was like I don't think at least at my level of ultra running or ultra swimming, the swimming was nominal. Like the running to me is nominal. It's all the weird things that you don't plan for. You're going to walk uphill because it's too steep to walk, and now it's too steep to to run downhill. And I'd planned to run like I'd planned to swim a perfect swim, and then you can't. The waves are so choppy that you can't bring your arms out of the water. So now they have to stay underwater. Like, well, I didn't plan on that. And uh, then how do you eat in choppy surf? Mm. And like I was swallowing a lot of seawater and that doesn't stay in your belly very well. And so it was my, it was my first experience that things never go well. But if you don't quit, you're going you're gonna to arrive at that place that you intended. So I, I pulled up on the beach uh, or swam into the beach and lay there going, that was insane. And the other guy was about an hour behind and he, he came in, he goes, I'm never going to do that again. I quit. <laughs> never going to swim again. Wow. And he has since swam it four times. <laughs> it was like the end of the ultra. You're yeah. like, never, never going to do this again. And then you spend a week healing and you're like, okay, I'll sign up for another one. Yeah. I have, pl- I have plenty of friends. I have one friend, he literally told me, this is the last time you're never going to, we're never going to. And then I, I recently <laughs> I heard, she was telling me how I'm, I signed up for the next one. It's like, it's oh, like, sure. Every time. Yeah. And then, so yeah, adventure racing was the same, uh, uh, adventure racing, you know, like eco challenge. And then there was, uh, a bunch of other name races in China. And, uh, I didn't even know that there were such things. I was just really good at navigating. Hmm. with a map and a compass and a British, uh, military, a couple of my British, British military friends said, Hey, we're going to go down to, to New Zealand and do a race. And our navigator, uh, just broke his, or got hurt. Can you come and navigate these long, like, sure. What, what's involved in it? And I, I had been on a mountain bike, but not at that level. And, uh, I can hike forever uh, he said, Hey, this is what it's going to be. And you can paddle You're a seal. You can paddle. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. So with only a week of preparation, I show up to New Zealand and I, I was smitten. I'm like, I want to do this forever because it's four people working out problems together for three to four days. And if you can go with no sleep, you do really well. And I was used to not sleeping. One of the other team members had an accident on the side of a mountain and broke his leg. So we pulled ourselves out of the race and spent a day and a half getting him off the mountain. Those adventure races, I think they still exist, a lot of them out there. But but I think with, with all the COVID and everything, I don't know how much that's going on for so many days. So Yeah. But they're, they're fun. Right now, um, at this moment, I'm uh, talking, you mentioned my hiking. I'm running through Pinhody Trail, which is, I don't know if you know, it's a 300 30 to 350 depending on where I look at it but that's a quite a long mile um and I'm just doing my section by section for me this is the first time I'm doing going through section by section and uh last week last Sunday I went in and we got in the trail and I don't we don't find a trail at all in the middle of the <laughs> jungle I was like okay mm-hmm. it's a nice thing about nowadays you talked about the map looking at navigating you just pull out a app Mm-hmm. And it has perfect map, and it just showed us there's a there's a trail ten feet away, and in in, <laughs> in really in a in a real situation that you can get lost really ten feet. People died in AT 
because of sure. the situation because they don't know they don't find. So this is like a in the modern days uh, <laughs> using technology with uh, going in a backwood country. So so that's interesting. So have, have you done any of the adventure racing lately or? No, I have not. Uh, one is there in retirement. I started a business where I was uh, training people and uh, consulting with companies, and and I was trying to balance between running and uh, family and a new business. And then the time drain to do an adventure mm-hmm. race is much more than an ultra, because you have to really be good at everything, and uh, you just can't. You don't have a life. And I had done that for a while. And I'm like, you know, I haven't, I haven't been here for my family. So I, I decided not to take on the adventure racing. It, it kind of seen its heyday. Like there are very few big races, you know, 10 day races anymore because they're really logistically hard to put on and they're expensive to put on. And I don't think the appetite of the athletes is there at the volume that it was back in, in the nineties. And so I, I stopped doing the adventure racing. I'm really interested in long distance, uh, the, the mental side of long distance more than since I'm 53, I'm never going to be in the top anything anymore, but I'm really interested in what happens mentally. Even in, you know, endurance mountain biking where you go three to 400 miles, it feels the same to me mentally as the, uh, as running. Definitely. Before we, we segue to the next segment, one other thing I want to mention that there's out there, um, I haven't done it. Some of my friends says, have tried it um so it's a 200 mile or 250 mile 500 mile this ultra distance race uh, event mm. so this is a beyond 100 now it's a 100 it's becoming like a, a next 50 it's 50 an mile. entry level <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have only done 100 so so those kind of things happening now in the ultra community 200, 250, 500 is uh, next. Yeah, did you know that woman named Candace Burke mm. who uh, organizes uh, that uh, there's three 200-mile races that she's kind of the race organizer? Yeah. She's a wonderful woman. She's beautiful. She runs all the time, and she's nuts. She's completely off her rocker. <laughs> <laughs> she finds a way to run and encourage other people to run and unbelievable that she has been able to make a lifestyle out of the ultra community because it's such a niche community definitely and it's her race is really long long miles i haven't been able to interview her i have asked her a few times but with all the things going on i have to see if i can find her but definitely that's a next distance uh you know mm. <laughs> adventure race kind of thing it's all running but uh, but still uh, you navigate using apps and, you know, it's hard to put a flag on tire 250 miles, I'm sure. So, so definitely. So do you, do you run alone or do you have uh when you do the ultra distance or do you have a, a pacer that goes with you? Uh, depends. Um, hundred mile or I definitely need a pacer. I've only hundred mile. I have dropped out last, uh, last time in the same race. I started like seven years ago. That was my first hundred um, I was trying seventh time and I had to drop out. I have a, didn't have pacer. I, it would have helped, but, but I didn't have pacer, but usually I do have pacers at night. It's really helpful to have a pacers at night. I talk about this on my podcast, um, yeah. a few times, but, um, having a pacer crew, uh, it's really pacer is so important. Uh, that was my, 
my own fault not having pacer. I thought I could do it. But uh, but having a pacer is that mind that you're not thinking, you know, that guy, yep. you know, the the inside voice said, quit, 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 quit. No, 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 quit, yep. quit, quit. You know, just keep saying. And the pacers will have, no, 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 you cannot quit. It's too early. We cannot, we just, just walk. Let's sit down, yep. you know. They become your mind, a fresh mind. So, so I totally, you say that better than I've heard a lot of people say that. And, uh, and you know, that, that's the transition that a lot of marathoners don't get. Because marathon is you know, your peak performance. How fast can you go over you know, the half distance or the full marathon distance? But in ultra, it's so difficult mentally to do anything over a 50K by yourself. 50K, you can kind of pull off by yourself. But 50 miles, you're on the verge of last, literally the last 10 miles. I'm done. I don't mm. care anymore. And you believe it. You're like, yep. yeah, I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm done. I got nothing and, to prove. Uh, and this is it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the beauty is the, the, the pacers or the people that run with you, uh, really they, they, the one, they're the ones that you can say, I, I, I was, I crossed the line because of them. I didn't do it. I just, my feet hit the ground multiple times, but, uh, I would have quit 15 miles ago easily. Definitely. I'd have gotten in a taxi. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened to me literally that day when I quit. And it's really hard for me to quit. And, um, but if I had a pacer, I, he would not have let me quit. And apparently the, the guy who usually paced me, he was running the race. He dropped out too. After the race, he called me. He's like, I would never run this race. I'll pace you every time. So that's what he – it's a, it's a good to have a bond like that too. I, I pace him in a, in a different race. And uh, he pisses me, so anytime he's he's ready to quit, I'm there to be his yep. mind. So it's it's usually good to have good friends, but uh, I do talk about that in, in my podcast. So it's also uh, you know, gosh, if even though this is about <laughs> running an ultra, uh, take that into the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're going to do something hard, have somebody go with you. Yeah, whether it's in business or anything, like you can't be in a relationship by yourself because you'll destroy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can't raise kids alone. It's too hard. You know, all the things that we try to do alone to prove it to ourselves, it's not meant to be that way. How do you choose uh, somebody to run with? I know how I choose it. I wonder how other runners yeah, choose. It, it depends. Sometimes you uh, you end up getting whoever. Sometimes mm-hmm. close friends. I post there. I, have, I know enough people. They'll come pace me. Sometimes people get scared that I uh, run really fast. Uh, they have seen me running fast, and they I tell them it's like, "Don't don't worry, I'll run slow." But now, <laughs> you know, after fifty miles, I and mean, when I'm running hundred miles after fifty miles, I don't have no speed. So usually for me is nowadays just the close friend, uh, like-minded person. Recently, a friend of mine was talking about a guy. He 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 had a pacer. Uh, he was he was he was at the, his weakest point, and the pacer's like, "Yeah, quit now. Nobody's you did a good good job." That's, no, not, that's not helpful. That's, that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I say. Then the rule I have learned, especially this year, and every time I look at it, never have your family member, you know, friends who have never run an ultra, or you know, at least the marathon distance, be a pacer for longer than you know. You know, long, long time, but never have a patient, have them as a patient, have them in your mind yeah. to think family, especially family member. They love you so much and they see you painful pain in your face and they have seen you over and over. They want you to quit right there. 
And um, yeah, it's a, I, I think the older we get, the more honest we are about that. And uh, maybe it, people in the ultra community have already figured this out. And so I had done several ultras uh, at the 50 mile and 50 K distance. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do a hundred. I'm like, Hey uh, honey, can you, or my wife, can you come and crew biggest mistake in the world hmm. for me? A lot of people can pull that off, but she's not, uh, she does not like to see me in pain because she'd seen me as a seal and going to combat. And so every time I would come, uh, you know, at the checkpoints and she would be there, she would be like, uh, do you sure you want to do this? Why are you hurting yourself? Hmm. <laughs> And it was so hard. It's the only one I dropped out of. I'm like, I just can't mentally. I don't want to go into the checkpoint because I just want to lay down and cuddled, man. <laughs> and she was so nice to me. And she's like, oh, man, you look like you're hurting. And, you're, you know, your feet are swollen and you have this going. I'm like, oh, my God. I, and I, I dropped out. I'm like, I, I just can't. I'm done mentally. Yeah, I told my family next time on when I'm running 100 miles, or you, you guys are not going to be you know, supporting me. I mean, I, w- I was going through some some major pain, but but hey, you know, that's just part of them loving you. But but definitely, you you want to choose uh, somebody at your level, or or um, I mean, you know, close to you know, not not so uh, that you have to carry them to the finish line. You know, I had my runner drop me at the mile ninety five because you know I told him to go. He had more legs than me, but. Um, but that's another story <laughs> to tell. But uh, he he was struggling all the night. So I had to I carried him. But last yeah, yeah. last fifteen miles, he's so fast, and we we got it through a sub twenty four. But but sometimes that happens. Um, so it was not um by design, you know. Sometimes you run. What uh, what race uh, were you pacing that he got uh, sub twenty four? Do you remember? Been hoodie one hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yep. this this our local. That's the trail I'm running up opposite yep. Yep. right now. So so definitely. I've yeah. I've found choosing people who are funny, <laughs> that have a good sense of humor. That kind of like I call I call it the dry British sense of humor. When things are bad, they're like, hey, you know, you're going to lose a leg, but let's just keep going. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably you're going to lose your eye, but it's okay. And uh, I, I like that dry sense of humor that. They're not. They're probably serious and scared, but they never let on. And uh, I, I found that the, the the more I can laugh at myself, the easier the bad times are. Definitely. Yeah. One of the thing um, I tell my patients, like you know, unless it's medical, don't pull me out. So, so, so they usually those are the situation. Let's segue into a, a different topic. I, I was trying to move on. Um, okay. Because as an ultra runner, ultra distance, we can talk about this topic all, all day long, you know. Let's talk about your book. Uh, you have written a couple of books. Um, let's talk about just a little bit so my audience can hear uh, what you have written. I, I think you're one of your recent book got released. Let's talk about it a little bit. Well, so uh, in 2009, I was a SEAL a platoon chief, and I took a platoon of 22 SEALs into Afghanistan to go to war. And before I left for that deployment, my wife, Stacy, wanted me to write down notes to the kids in case I died that would tell them about me and about things that I wanted them to be able to do in their life. And so throughout that six-month deployment, I had written notes home to the kids prior to going out on each of the really hard missions, Uh, like a series of, hey, if I don't come home this time, I want you to be able to uh, 
uh, I want you to, to do three things a day for 21 days. Learn how to practice simplicity. And that was the first lesson I wanted them to learn. And so it became a series of, of really visceral lessons that are very practical and useful for everybody. And, uh, and my wife, when I retired, she got an editor to edit without my permission. And, uh, she put it up on Amazon without my permission. <laughs> and uh, it, it hit national bestseller list uh, because I, I think it hit a chord with everybody that is you know, a parent uh, that either sees their kids struggle or a, a leader who sees his company struggle or he struggles. So there ends up being 13 lessons in it. And the book is called Unbreakable, A Navy SEAL's Way of Life. And uh, it's, a, it's a letters home to my kids case I died. If you don't like to read cuss words, don't get the book because uh, I'm a sailor and I cuss and I, I wrote that way too. And uh, so that broke, uh, it, it got a lot of fun discussions with uh, some business owners and I developed a business around uh, helping leaders deal with uh, a lot of frustration and chaos in their business. And uh, so that's what I've been doing ever since. And then uh, I wrote a book last year about what the training that I have I had created. And I wrote that because I was sitting around a table with six other SEALs and we were discussing uh, all the PTSD and suicide rate of guys that go into combat. And the question was, if you died tomorrow, what will you have left behind? And by the time it came to me, I'm like, well, I don't think I've had a good life. And they said, what about this training that seem to know a lot about, but nobody else knows. I'm like, Hey, that's secret sauce, man. I don't mm. want to teach anybody how I do it. And they're like, well, if you died, then it's going to die with you. So the second book I wrote was, uh, a book called three simple things leading during chaos. And, uh, it's been out for about a year and it's about how to make everything in your life. Very simple. Boil everything down to three things. It's doing pretty well. That's great to hear. Um, you're not only ultra-distance runner, you're also a great author, looks like. I have not read your book, or I need to definitely need to listen to you. Usually I listen to books. So I, The guy who read Three Simple Things, the voiceover, I'm not a good reader either, so I've, I listen to all the books like when I go out on <laughs> runs. Like I order a book and listen to it. I get a good six hours out of the book. And the guy who read it, a guy named Dan Dather, his voice uh, is – Really great voice, so I, t I highly recommend just getting a, uh, the audio book and listening to it. Definitely. To my audience, uh, if you don't want to read it, and a lot of time we have a lot of time to, <laughs> while we're running, listening book, that's becoming something I do a lot lately, so listen, 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 and definitely three simple things. Um, so what's the takeaway for each, both books? What, what did you learn being an ultra runner mm. and an and a author? Well, the takeaway as writing the first book, Unbreakable, what I wanted people to get is how incredible life actually is. However, the, when people read it, what they tell me is that the lessons in it are very practical and usable for everybody that's read it. 200,000 people read it. And I got a lot of feedback from how important uh, doing uh, So the book was really about do hard things in your life hmm. from lesson one. Lesson three is to be able to walk for 24 hours without stopping, without quitting. And we hold uh, those 24-hour events here in Greenville 
uh, not athletically, but it's a walk. And people come from all over the world because we address how the brain falls apart during a 24-hour walk. And that was lesson three. So in the process of doing hard things, another lesson in the book, I think is lesson nine, is to be able to, to uh, love and be loved by somebody, which you wouldn't think a SEAL would say that, but it's paramount that you live a life that you've been loved somewhere in your life. And I wanted the kids to know that. So the takeaway is do hard things in your life change. Uh, and then three simple things is I, I say it this way because I teach it all the time now. I, I say your life is too complicated. Make it simple. Just make it simple and avoid everybody in your life that complicates it and boil everything uh, down to something that you can chew on, taste, touch or feel. And if you can't avoid it, definitely and running is that way because you can touch it. You can taste it. When the puke's in your mouth, you can taste running, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, yeah. if, and you feel, and you, you get, uh, when you're running with people you care about, you, you get relationship at a level that uh, most humans don't. And you'll know this to be true. Running is a very simple sport, but it's very hard. Oh. So those are my takeaways. That's how I, as an author, those my takeaways is do hard things and, and be simple. Definitely. Um, that's a great takeaway. And uh, definitely, I would love to listen or read your book. I would like to um, rewind a little bit here. I wanted you to kind of compare, um, you know, you've been in the Navy SEALs for that many years and ultra runner for eight plus years. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I want to kind of you to give you some, give us some story or compare your life. And we discussed this already, bits and pieces, kind of give us a, a true picture being a Navy SEAL and an ultra runner, since how, how does that the whole thing work for you? Oh wow, uh, that's you know, a great question. You know, I uh, wanted I wanted you to kind of give us that that view from your point of view. I mean, I can tell you as an IT guy and a runner and a father, I can tell you a story. But I wanted you to kind of give give us that 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 thing that we hardly see that. Uh, so, uh, to me, they're very comparable. Altered distance, anything. And being a SEAL uh, are very uniquely the same. Because to be a SEAL, you are a consummate uh, uh, practitioner. Like you have to, obviously you have to be in shape. You have to be in shape more than the normal human being on the planet. And what that means to a SEAL is every day at work, right when you get to work, you have to work out for two hours a day. That's the deal. So our work as a SEAL didn't, doesn't really start until 10. You show up at 7, work out for two hours. Most of the times it's a team-based workout. Could be a run, could be a swim, could be an obstacle course, could be uh, carrying a log, could be something that – but they, it's always exhausting and it's always skills-based. So they're very interested in technique and skill, which was very easy to see that in ultra running. Because running is one thing, being efficient is an entirely different thing, and most run, most ultra runners don't worry about distance, but they really worry about efficiency. And so that was the easy segue between the two, and it was relentless every day, much like ultra. Like you can't really take a lot of days off because you can't recover from the day off. <laughs> Your body's like, man, I, I I need to I need to put something in. Uh, and then the second thing. 
uh, was other than relentless, constant pressure and practice was that you have to have an organized life to be an efficient runner. Your life has to somewhat be in order, like what you do at home has to be in order. And uh, most people don't think about that when you think of a SEAL or you think of somebody that's in combat. You don't think that they spend a lot of attention to their home life. But the truth is, uh, in the SEAL community, if your home life is bad, you're kicked out. Most people just get a divorce because they can't handle the home life when it gets bad. Because somebody who is worried about their wife or their kids uh, is a danger to the rest of the platoon. So the home life became critical. And then what I found in the ultra community is that people really organized their, their life uh, at home so that they could be a better runner. And I don't see that in a lot of other industries and professional sports. You can see why people fall off because the girlfriend goes south and then the, the player gets crazy or whatever the case is. And like Tiger Woods should have figured out home life, you know. And uh, the third thing was probably even more interesting is uh, everything is a feels like a losing situation. Like combat is always a losing situation. Like you always feel like you're going to die, but don't die. Don't give up. Put one foot in front of the other. That's combat. Hey, you always feel like you're going to die. Like you go out on unwinnable missions. And I thought, I don't think I'm ever going to feel this, this way again. Uh, and then I felt that way in ultra. You're like, Oh my God, dude, hundred miles. This is insane. I feel like shit. I'm already having diarrhea <laughs> and I'm on, I'm on mile five. What the hell? Or I did one race where it was 5,000 foot, uh, in the first, uh, five miles. By the time we got to the top, uh, it was bullet ice on the ground. Like this isn't running. This is survival. And my brain's like, wow, this is just like it was seal. All the unanticipated things that are always there. Like everything seems unwinnable. But if you just don't give up, miracles happen. And that to me was the, the a lot of people don't understand the, the correlate difference between SEALs and ultra running is that it feels the same. Combat is always a lost endeavor. If you don't quit, you win. Ultra running is if you don't quit, you cross the line. It's that simple. But it's, it's very difficult. <laughs> it still sucks. Hey, don't quit. Doesn't mean it's not going to suck, you know. And uh, so that's that to me is the the easy ways to talk about the difference between being a SEAL and and I'd been in combat so many times, like I was telling you earlier, my wife took these numbers down, is I was in 2,700 hours of fire firefights where somebody was shooting at us over a course of 23 years, and it became very clear that uh, I really enjoyed. The chaos of uh, when things go bad, and uh, so that's really I, I, I tell Stacy, my wife, this all the time. That's why I I do ultra running, not because I can do it; it's because I can't. Hmm. Like it's very difficult, you know, and everybody that run runs an ultra, whether they're pristine or not, or whether they're broken, it just keeps it's like a magnet and keeps pulling you back into it. Nobody else can understand it, but other ultra. Runners. Definitely. So let's talk about uh, 
pulling from chaos, you know, in a combat chaos versus ultra marathon chaos, I'm sure it's not the same. Not I'm sure. I'm pretty pretty much sure that it's not the same. But still, you're in that uh, low or really high. Uh, let's talk about how do you pull out from the chaos of uh, ultra distance running, you know, when you are in that low. When I first felt the lowest, I guess, using that analogy. So during that 2009 deployment uh, in Afghanistan, we were in a combat situation where we were outnumbered 38 to 8, and they had the high ground on us, and we got in a big firefight where they were shooting at us and we were shooting at them. And I got blown up into a room and a, a rocket hit and blew me into a room and I'm laying on my back, uh, which to me represents the low of ultras. I didn't know it at the time because I hadn't done one yet. So I'm laying on my back, thoroughly convinced that I was dying because I couldn't move. I'd been kind of knocked down or the wind was knocked out of me and I'm laying there and my eyes were open and I could hear everything, but I couldn't move. And I, I was convincing myself that I was dead by going, uh, I was using a lot of foul language, but uh, I was like, you know, screw this. I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I can't move. Uh, this is the last moments of my life. And I was like, wow, there's a bullet that just hit the wall. And how, how weird that whole, when you start giving up, how the world kind of implodes on you. For me, it was a long time. I was thinking about my kids and thinking about how probably not the greatest dad in the world because I wasn't there. In the middle of my despair, in my brain, my wife, Stacy, grabbed my face and said, don't fear dying. It makes you weak. And I want you to fight your way back to us. And that's what I remember feeling uh, when I was in combat was her telling me that. And I sat up and I remember saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to fight until I die. I'm not going to lay here. I rallied myself and I rallied the guys and we were getting our ass kicked. So everybody's in despair. And I said, Hey, we're going to fight until all of us are gone. Nobody's going to be a, a prisoner. And they're like, okay. We ended up running out of ammo and, uh, we had a jet check on a B one bomber checked on. And, uh, I asked him to drop his bomb on us so that, cause they were right on top of us. There was 38 guys within 200 yards of us. And I said, you got to drop it on us. He didn't really drop it on us, but he dropped it 50 yards away from us. But it was supposed to kill us. It was a big 2,000-pound bomb. Buried us all in rubble or in dirt. and Ended up taking on it. Just killed all the 38 Taliban that were overrunning us. That, to me, is the same mindset and way of living that happens in most of the ultras that I've been in, where you're down. Just to segue it into doing ultra distance, I remember laying on the side of a trail, having already puked a couple times, and uh, I was at mile 70 going, you know what, it would be okay if I just sat here. <laughs> I hadn't picked up a pacer at that point. I had dropped one off, and I was it was only five miles to the next checkpoint. I'm like, dude, I got five miles. Hmm. It was horrible. And uh, so I'm laying there really – thinking the same thing. So I'm like, I don't even care if I get up anymore. I'm done. I've had a good life. It's over. Like literally, it felt exactly the same. Minus people shooting at you. Uh, a dude walked by and he goes, you okay? And I'm like, fuck no, I'm not okay. <laughs> Do I look okay? He goes, I don't see any blood. You're good. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably true. So he helped me up and, 
and he goes, you want me to stay with you? And I'm like, no, I'm good. And, uh, just that help of somebody that, uh, wasn't in the same level of despair that I was, uh, was very helpful. And that to me was exactly the same as combat. You, you, combat is not really what you see on TV. It's, hmm. it's the, it's the human experience of it that is so, uh, unique and, uh, it's very quick, if you will say that. Combat shooting is a very quick thing. So you, unlike ultras, it's it's not agonizingly the same. I think it's agonizingly the same. It's just you got to keep moving. Definitely. Combat, there's a lot of, there's very little sameness, and then all of a sudden it's over. And you just don't want to be the one that's over for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most times you don't hear it. Like, I, I don't, I assume that guys that die don't hear it. So that's the distinct difference is that one clear point of combat is not like running is that you're not going to get shot. At least I don't think you are. You feel like you should get shot and you hope and pray somebody would drive by and kill you. But, (laughs) but, uh, but it's, it's a human thing. That's so amazing to me that happens. And my hats off to anybody that does an ultra, uh, whether they complete it or not, because that their mind is, uh, what they're trying to, trying to tackle. Definitely. One of my recent lines are, you know, just to having that courage to line up. It doesn't matter how far you're going, especially ultra just running. You know, there's so much training get put on to get there just to line up. But definitely you, you bring in such a great story, such a comparison. Of course, no, nobody's suiting at you, at least not that I've heard. Sometimes you may... You know, <laughs> you end up in places where there are there's places hunt. where there's coyotes and yeah. mountain lions and, exactly. uh, and pigs that are after you. <laughs> yeah, hunters, and that's my problem right now as I'm moving north. This moment, you go to the trail, you're thinking snakes. You know, I have we yes. have seen some snakes. I think we, one of my buddy who was running with me, stepped on the snakes last last weekend, and ticks. You know, so those are the yep. things we're worried at this time. But as we move north, uh, as the uh, fall season coming, there's a hunters, you know, they're bow hunters, deer hunting, and so so we'll we'll see. But yeah, definitely, ninety nine percent time you don't get shot. So it's not same comparison in that sense. But I think I think pulling yourself out of out of the whole situation is what so similar. So that's a great story. So so tell us about uh, what kind of um, events do you participate these days? You talk about running hundred running uh, ultra distance do you still do the marathon road marathons what kind of things do you do well let's see so in 2014 i did four 50 mile distance uh, races and uh, then i'm like boy i want to get better at that distance and the moment i said hey i want to get better at a shorter distance uh, a woman that i'd been running with said hey let's go run 100 miles and I'm like, I don't know if I'm really ready for 100. She goes, you're never ready. You just got to be more efficient in how you eat and eating the right stuff and uh, and slow down. She goes, you, it doesn't matter that you can run a, like a 9, 20, 50 miler. If you can do four miles an hour, you're going to be a really good 100 miler. I'm like, four miles an hour, I can do that. Uh, that's hard. <laughs> it's hard over for, it's very hard over a hundred miles. And I, so we, then I, I, I got, I jumped up to higher distance and really struggled with it. Cause I'm normally when I was running at that level, I was about 198 to 205 pounds, which is comparatively the, the 
people that do well are 130 pounds. So I was like, man, this is going to suck. And I, I loved it. So I did 1,500K, 100 miles since then. And uh, my, my daughter got into marathoning when she was at uh, – she went to the United States Military Academy at West Point, and she was on the marathon team there. And uh, so I went back to that distance so I could participate in her life a little more. And uh, I'd, my last ultra was before COVID changed at all. And uh, then during COVID, my youngest son said, hey, dad, let's do some mountain biking. So I kind of transitioned because mm. of the all the races were gone. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'd rather hang out with my kids. So he's like, we did mountain biking. So we've been I just got into that so that I could participate in his life. And now he's in, in ninth grade going into football. Now the races are coming back. And I think I'm going to transition back into doing some uh, some me time <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah. I, I've, I've done enough that I've DNF'd many times. Definitely. I'm going, going also um, riding bicycle, road bicycle. So I'm also doing some, some different sports. Mountain biking is uh, something I have never been attracted. It's hard. It's tough. Yeah. I can run the courses here at the same speed I can mountain bike them mm. uh, because mountain bike is a lot of technique. And uh, the I love the uphill uh, mountain bike because it's hard. And the downhill is fun because you have to be in balance. And I keep thinking, man, I can't believe I used to run this stuff because it's, it's much scarier on the mountain bike. When you're running it, it's never that bad. Mm. And uh and it was, it was to me, it was just a great way to be a dad rather than kind of ignore him during the shutdown and, and do my own thing, which I had been doing for so many years. Definitely. And uh, you can always go back to to doing silly silly things by yourself, but it's hard to, <laughs> to have time for your family. Definitely. So, yeah, COVID has brought that family time. I've enjoyed a lot. If somebody wants to find you online where where do they look for you easiest way is an unbreakable leadership.com or just type my name in t-h-o-m-s-h-e-a and uh all the search engines take you to that website but the books are on amazon or in barnes and noble and uh we got signed copies that you can track through the unbreakable leadership.com website and I'm on social media, much to my dismay, uh, simply because <laughs> for some reason I have to be on social media. My mm. partner's like, hey, you got to be on social media because we need you in front of people. Definitely. And so, you know, Tom Shea on Facebook and uh, also on uh, Instagram. And I just can't get myself to, to go on to some of the other snap things that the kids are on. But uh problem with being a, an unauthor is that you have to do certain things on social media. Definitely. I try to be private, but I, I, I find myself not being able to do that. Tom, and it has been great talk to you today. We talked different things. Um, uh, you know, as ultra runners, uh, as many miles and distance and hours we run, uh, you know, we can talk forever for many, many topics uh, and share some, a lot of stories. Your story is always unique with being a Navy SEALs and uh, the story you just shared about, you know, you being in, you know, combat and 
so that's always a great story and compare with being a ultra runner so it's all that's such a unique perspective for us uh, as we are coming towards the end of this podcast uh, give us some insight some of the um, parting away advices to our um, uh, listener here so so they can uh, enjoy you know, ultra running as uh, as as it, as it is and and enjoy the life you know I, I i think the greatest thing that we can do for each other is remind us as runners that uh we do spend a lot of time away from our families and if you have yet to include your family what you do do it now like if your kids are at the age where they can participate take them out on a trail because they'll benefit vastly from mom or dad that's an ultra marathon runner doing that with them. And then uh, what uh, I think is another great thing to always leave yourself with if you're doing hard things is to, to remember that if you're questioning in it, if you're questioning why you run, you're probably doing the right thing. So keep questioning it and get back on the trail and hopefully we'll run into each other somewhere. Definitely. That's such a, Great advice. Uh, I, I wanted to, you to also give advice to current Navy SEAL, future ultra runners. Uh, what what advice would you give? The path you took to be an an ultra runner. What advice do you give them? Uh, if you are like a SEAL or somebody that spent time in combat, I, I can definitely recommend. It's the closest you'll get not being in the military to, to those visceral experiences that you had in combat that you may miss. So it's a lot less dangerous. And, uh, the people that are in the community are remarkable. Put your boots back on and get out on the trail and get yourself in shape to have the, those great experiences again, running ultras. And one last advice to all the ultra runners, uh, we never experienced SEAL like I, mm. I have never. What advice do you give? One thing I know to be true is you are capable of doing so much more. Uh, and the only thing that I learned as a SEAL that is helpful to anybody is that you're capable of doing more. And uh, more in every area of your life. And don't just use ultra as the escape to get better at everything that you do that's my recommendation to ultras is get better at the rest of your life too. that's a great word words of advice uh, we have so many different perspectives even here so thanks for your time uh, it has been a great pleasure to have you here in eminence podcast give us that the new perspective being a seal team member and uh, ultra runner so thanks for being here at the Amarance Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you.